Hey, it's Bethany here. Welcome to another episode of Dialed In. I'm here today with Jill Johnson and wait until you get a listen to our conversation. We talked about possibility, about how you talk to yourself and why that matters so much, about having goals and then just taking the one next step, confidence, how to make good choices that really are in alignment with who you are, so many things. Here's a little bit about Jill. She's the founder of Johnson Consulting Services and she's a management consultant. She specializes in strategy development and she's personally impacted more than $4 billion worth of business decisions for clients located all over the US as well as in Europe and Asia. Jill is a powerhouse. She's a two-time Business Hall of Fame inductee and she's won numerous other honors for her business acumen, her leadership savvy, and her mentoring impact. She has a huge amount of entrepreneurial success. You're going to love learning from her. Check out her full bio inside the show notes, or if you're watching this on YouTube, you can check it out in the description of the video. So without further ado, thanks for being here today. Here is Jill Johnson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dialed In. I'm here today with Jill Johnson. Welcome, Jill. Hi, Bethany. So glad to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Our conversation has been months in the working, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to reschedule. It's pushed out for, I'm like, I can't tell if I'll, where I'll be six months out, but I'm so glad that we kept, you know, moving it on the calendar so that we could actually have a chance to finally connect and, and visit and see what we have, uh, what, what comes out today in terms of what we have to share. Yes, I'm excited. So I'm going to start by asking you a question that I ask almost all of my guests, um, but what does it mean for you to be dialed in and living a big life? What does that look like? Well, I think for me, being dialed in is is that self-awareness that is the, the honest person to yourself. It's the, it's being dialed in and understanding who I am, what drives me, what triggers me, what frightens me, what makes me feel special, what makes me feel less than, because the more I understand about who I am and what I want, the more, the faster I can get out of those crazy psychological challenges that we all get ourselves into. Mm -hmm. Yes, it happens to everybody. And, but it also allows me that, that honest truth to figure out what is the next path for me to grow? Mm -hmm. Where, where is the next opportunity for me? What do I want to withdraw from? Sometimes that's as much a part of it as, as it is, um, to moving forward. And, um, the living the big life means that I do all of the things in my lifetime that I'm able and capable of, and then some. I always add the and then some to that because we set so many limits on ourselves. And I think we all have so many different things to really offer the world, mm -hmm. but it's us that has to decide what that is and how we bring it to the world. And I think a lot of people let other people decide for them. And for me, 
it's about me and it's my choices and who I invite with me to 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 test myself to share those things and to learn from and so I'm every day all in dialed in all in <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect there's like 12 questions running through my mind right now but I could ask you based <laughs> on that so okay well first of all how did you come to be at this level of awareness because you're not just born with it. So how did that happen for you? What does that look like? Well, when I was little, I, I'm a child of entrepreneurs. So it, actually, I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur. Um, I'm, I'm better as an entrepreneur than I ever was as a corporate person. <laughs> the things that make me really talented as a consultant did not make me a good employee. Um, but I've always had a, a really broad level of awareness. And when I was young, I got into dancing. And so with dancing, you were about, you know, trying to get your, your body in sync with what the instructor was asking you to do with what the music was doing. And then that morphed into gymnastics. I was actually the first girl in Wisconsin or in my hometown to go to the Wisconsin state gymnastics tournament wow. many, many years ago. <laughs> that was quite a, quite a journey in and of itself. But when I was training in gymnastics, it was about goal setting. It was about uh, uh, facing your fears. It was about learning how to navigate and move through and build your confidence. And all of those things really are self-driven. And it took years for me to integrate and understand how that morphed in. But I was learning even as a young child and, and a young adult, how to take that self-awareness to, to improve myself and I just started to apply it to other areas of my life. And I think we all have that. Mm -hmm. I think we all have that, that knowledge. We may not fess it up to the rest of the world, but when we sit in the quiet, I think that makes a difference. And that was the other part of it too, is I spent a lot of time, we lived way out in the country. And so I spent a lot of time in nature, walking in the woods, um, you know, sitting in the crook of a tree, reading a book mm -hmm. while the river rolled past with one of my dogs sitting on, on the shore across, keeping an eye on me. And so I had a lot of time to dream and to think about things. But the problem when you dream is you don't often have enough insight to know what to dream about. And for me, that was the biggest revelation um, that set my path toward becoming a management consultant was discovering a world I never knew. And it, it was, I'm hoping we can talk about how that came about, but it was, it was a very important thing about looking for more and mm -hmm. wanting for more and finding people who could expose me to more, more than the little town I grew up in with, you know, father hadn't graduated from high school, mother was a high school grad and a secretary. How does that then morph into a career where, you know, I have clients that are all shapes and sizes, but, you know, Mayo Clinic's been a longstanding client of mine. I'm impacting millions of dollars of decisions for my clients with each engagement and ultimately over $4 billion worth of business decisions. That doesn't happen overnight. Right. And so it's that self-awareness, I think, that, that started in childhood that has helped me to move and navigate through all of those opportunities. Do you consider yourself, um, do you lean more towards consultant than you do coach for the people that you serve? Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a life coach. I'm not a, a career coach per se. 
there are times as a management consultant, so I'm usually the one that's the hired gun that's brought in to bring objectivity, ob objectivity and clarity to the situation. And we use data and insight and information to help our clients make better decisions. But as part of that, the weaknesses in the leadership structure are often very um, apparent, especially mm -hmm. for somebody like me who I've got no dog in the hunt. I can, it can really come in and truly assess that situation um, objectively. And so my coaching, if you will, has really evolved in those client situations in speaking to those individuals about the, the things that they need most to know and need most to hear mm -hmm. and and then helping them identify what's the appropriate path for them to either build that skill set or I've had a couple that I've recommended deep therapy for and some medication mm -hmm. um, and but it's also about just being so aware in the moment because my goal is always, how do I make the client situation better? Mm -hmm. Or how do I, for how do I impact what the enterprise is doing so that the ultimate experience of the people that they serve is at a higher uh, caliber and level. And so I simply do that within the construct of the, of the, the consulting work that I do. Every now and then I'll get some mentees who want some coaching work. And so we've worked, you know, on some of those kinds of things, but it's, I am not a career coach. I am not a life coach. I'm, that is not the bulk of the work that I do, mm -hmm. but I share insights along the way that will be helpful for folk. I, uh, it, it's interesting as you're talking about, well, even before we, we hit record, you were talking with me about, a gentleman that you helped um, kind of get the, his career started after mm -hmm. college. And um, as I'm listening to you and knowing that in a consulting position, I mean, you're asked all kinds of things about perspective taking, um, about uh, shifting your awareness. I mean, maybe not, they don't use those terms, right? But, right. but you're asked all those things. So I almost see... Uh, the work that you do is being kind of an indirect coach as well, even though, okay, so it's not a title that you carry with you. Let's but put it this way. I don't sell coaching packages. Right. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to pay quite a bit for me to, 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 to do that. Although, you know, I mean, I don't rule it out, you know, as I get further in my career and am looking at, you know, always the what's next. I've been doing what I do now for over 35 years. Mm -hmm. I was a child savant folks, just so you know, um, I started my <laughs> consulting career very young, but it's, it's about looking at how you can have impact and influence at all different levels. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the, the work can get boring and dull. And so you reinvigorate it by the people and, and new learning. And, mm -hmm. and I've always been committed to mentoring. That has been people who helped to open doors for me and open ideas for me were mentors. And I have, there are three types of mentors that you can have. It's the traditional coach, um, the, where it's, you know, a structured process, or you can have somebody who's a champion, someone who sees enough in you, sees potential in you, and they open doors for you, but you still have to get through the door and you have to deliver once you're in the room. They're not, they're not there to, to, with a safety net to help <laughs> you out. And then there are what I call cardinals. And those are people who 
open up new opportunities about things that you had never considered before Mm. that you'd never heard of before. So I always call it, they sing the song of the possibility and then they leave, they fly away just like a cardinal bird does. And Mm -hmm. for me, when I was 17 or 18 years old, I met a man named Robert Cardinal who was a management consultant in Chicago. And he uh, did a throwaway lunch, which, you know, we all do to young people. It's like, oh yeah, sure, I'll meet with you for whatever. And it, it changed the course of my entire adult life. Wow. And when I was celebrating the 20th anniversary for my business, um, I went through um, and spent quite a bit of time searching out and, and reconnecting with people who had been instrumental at key points in, in my career to that, to that, to that, to that period. And I found him and I had to use every bit of research skill I have from a defunct firm in Chicago to San Francisco, to Sacramento, to Fresno, to upstate Michigan. And as soon as I read the city council notes that I'd pulled up that had his name and I'm, I'm, he was some, you know, landowner wanting to make a thing. I'm like, that's my guy. I just, <laughs> I just knew I had never seen this man since that lunch we had way back when it had been probably at that point at least 30 years and so I was able to back in and get his address on you know I'm pretty wicked at research (laughs) and um, I wrote him a letter and I said dear Mr. Cardinal I know you have no idea who I am but let me tell you how you changed the entire course of my adult life and I sent him the letter and you know by now he's probably well into his 80s and I think at the time my letter hit him he was having thoughts about did my life matter? Yeah. And so this random letter from some random woman who is now in two business halls of fame, he helped that. Mm-hmm. He helped make that a possibility. And it wasn't because he said, oh, I'm going to open up doors for you. I'm going to give you every skill you ever need or, you know, all the advice you need to know. He just talked about what was possible and what he did. And so by pulling that curtain back, I walked out of that lunch with absolute clarity and certainty. That's what I want to be. I had no idea how I was going to make that happen, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. And, and so for me, I've always felt really obligated to reach the hand back to the next generation and the next, the generation behind them and now behind, behind them. Uh And, and so, and I connect with young people, but I tell them the truth. I don't sugarcoat it. Mm -hmm. I'm relatively blunt and, um, but they resonate. I've got young people. I, I call it, I collect them. Yeah. I've got a young man that I was, have been mentoring since he was 26. He's now 40. And, you know, I go along on the journey of their successes, mm-hmm. you know, or the young women I've had what 10 or 12, uh, uh, interns in that have worked for me and, you know, they all come in and, okay, what do you want me to do? And I said, and I'll, you know, I have projects I want them to work on, but then I'm like, so what's the one thing you want to have in your resume? What is the one thing that you would really like to get more experience in? And when they tell me I create something that allows them to be able to have that bullet point on their, on their resume or their, whatever it is. And, and it's, it's so exciting to be able to see that, that I can have impact. I, I don't have kids. So for me, this is a way um, to have impact. And so I, I always tell people never leave me alone with your kids. Cause you'll never know what I'll teach them. <laughs> <laughs>
I even remember my niece, we were, we were garage sailing with my sister and, you know, she was six at the time and, you know, we're running up the driveway and I'm kind of a slow runner and, and, you know, she's running and then she slowed down and she said, come on, Auntie Jill, I'll wait for you. And, you know, we caught up to her and I'm like, Catherine, you don't have to wait for me. You can beat me. You need to be true to who you are. And she looked at me with those great big saucer eyes. And I'm like, next time I'm going to get you. And, you know, so even, I don't even let the little kids win. And my sister's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, they got to learn, you know, they got to learn. And she can beat me. I'll beat her, but she can beat me too. Mm-hmm. I, wow. As you're, as you're talking about that, even just that last little piece, um, there's so much power when you feel that you have permission to really be who you really are. Mm-hmm. It sounds like that lunch meeting that you had with Mr. Cardinal gave you a glimpse into that power for yourself. And then you took it and ran with it. I knew, I knew I was wicked smart. Mm-hmm. I knew I loved business both because I had worked in my family business and because I was one of the top kids in the country in junior achievement, which was a very different program back then than it is today. And so I'd, I'd been doing Harvard Business Review case studies for fun that I started doing at 16. And I loved everything about the idea of being in business, being an executive in business or, you know, having my own business one day and being successful mm-hmm. in business. But how do you put that all together? My dad owned an auto body repair shop. I mean, everybody I knew in my small town was you know, an insurance agent or a restaurant, small restaurant owner, or they worked on the factory assembly line at at one of the big factories. So for me, I didn't have direct role models to give me that bigger picture. And when I met Bob Cardinal, and he just talked about how he travels and he impacts and he's got to be in these big meetings and it's like being on a high wire and you have to navigate and you have to be able to use your speaking skills to present there's written reports there's all these things that you have to do to be able to influence the direction and the decisions i'm like oh my god that is that is that is it i never looked back once he talked about that because I knew I needed a career that would allow me to use as many aspects of who I am as possible. Now you have to understand when I was coming of age was in the seventies and eighties. And so it was not really an era known to be warm to the idea of women in business or women in executive roles, Mm -hmm. much less young women Mm -hmm. and you know smart young women who are probably more opinionated than they ought to be and so it was this really complex confluence of trying to find that path and then navigating all the pitfalls and the mistakes and the roadblocks to go through that to be able to come out the other side on my own with you know financial security I pick and choose who I want to work with. I don't work with everybody who calls me because I don't want to and I don't have to. Mm-hmm. But that, that mm-hmm. happened over a long period of time. But it was because it was a disciplined intention. It didn't just magically happen mm-hmm. that there was money in the bank. That was an intentional thing. My husband, we've been through multiple layoffs, plant closings, pay cuts, all that. Plus with me being self-employed, you, you know, income is variable. And, and so how you get through all of that, even, even when things are that complex, 
you can still find ways to set the foundation for your future goal. And I think for your audience, what I'd like to, to share with them is it's not just about thinking brave thoughts. It's not just about thinking big ideas. It's not about wanting something more. It's how you convert that then into action. Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be big action. It's what small action am I going to take today to be able to move myself forward in a way that is honest to who I am, that is, that is healthy for my body, mind, and spirit, but also sets one more... Um, brick in the road, if you will, one mm -hmm. more uh, opportunity in my movement on that path. And we don't always know where the path will take us. Lots of things in life come at you and, and pull the rug out from under you. Yes. I've had a variety of those experiences over the years, but you learn how to leverage your resilience to being able to, okay, fine. You're in the heap on the floor. It's okay. Get, get the tears out. Just like be done with it. Mm -hmm. And then pick yourself back up. And now what are you going to do? And sometimes the best you can do is just stand still and breathe. But then can you move your foot two inches forward? Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be a full step, but can you take a uh, just a little bit of movement? And, and then all of a sudden movement becomes momentum. And I think that's where the power in our, our choices really influence the opportunities that ultimately come our way. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, uh, in my coaching practice, you know, I teach the whole concept of you have to be, decide what you want to be, how you want to be, how you want to show up in the world. And then right. you just do that one next thing. Right. And then everything that you want starts to fall into place, but you have to start believing that it's even possible, but then you have to follow that up with action. You can't wishing and hoping is not a strategy, right? Exactly. <laughs> you, and, and I do strategy for a living. I can assure you it is, it is not, a, not that. But when I wrote my book, Compounding Your Confidence, Bethany, it was exactly to pull that curtain back to help people understand that, you know, I was little Jill Johnson, right? I was nobody's daughter. And, and to go from that to being able to influence, you know, sophisticated executive men um, for the most part and boards that are making decisions and multi-million dollar decisions, it was, it didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And so, what I talk about in the book is how you build, you go through progression. So just like in gymnastics, when you learn how to do a cartwheel, you start it on the floor, then you do it on a line, then you do it on a four inch balance beam that's on the floor, mm -hmm. then you do it on a beam that's one foot off the floor, and then you work your way up to the balance beam we see in the Olympics that's four feet off the floor and four inches wide. And then you, that's a progression of mm -hmm. skill development. And then you start all over again and learn how to do that cartwheel without your hands. And then you move through those progressions again. And so for me, what I realized as I was farther into my career was I was mimicking that patterning I had learned in my skill development in those, in that youth sport in my career. Mm -hmm. And so it, then it became more intentional about what skill do I need to work on? And so for many of us, people are terrified of public speaking. I'm like, give me an audience to speak to, preferably paid, but give me an audience to speak to. <laughs> and I, I, I love to be able to, to structure content in a way to have, to, to have impact and shape thinking. And so but that didn't happen overnight. So I right. sought out all sorts of 
crappy little speaking opportunities, you know, to little groups here and there. But each one was that next step mm -hmm. in my progression of mastery in that skill development. And I think a lot of times people don't give themselves enough credit to recognize that when you move to a new level, you know, you get a new job or a new opportunity or a new responsibility, you're in a do-over. You're right. at a new level and now you're going to progress. And what a lot of times a mistake people make is they come in and they're really pompous and they pretend that they know more than they do. Mm. And trust me, people like me who've been there done that we're all just like eyeball rolling because we know it's bs <laughs> right. and and you don't want to do that and you don't need to right you know you got into that level or that new room because of what you already know and that's the value that you initially bring into the room mm -hmm. and then as you start to observe and watch the others in the room and learn from their experience and see who's really impactful and you know are they talking all the time probably not. Are they mindful? And then they weave together a variety of comments together to make their point. I'm like, that's really powerful. And when you start to see that, then you can begin to incorporate and practice that in your own, in your own life. And so the second part of the, the, in the process in the confidence book is about practicing creating those opportunities in places where you can practice. Mm -hmm. And then the third component is about presentation. How do you present? yourself to the world are you doing you know the the eyes down I can't make eye contact my shoulders are hunched over or are you up and all in and you know you look at the movies you know like with bears and lions you know when people have it's like you know you just you got to figure out how are you going to be with with the bear and the lion mm -hmm. um and you know I have rottweilers and so one of the things we learned early on with with the dogs is they're a powerful wicked smart breed mm -hmm. and they will not do anything they don't want to do but if you are the alpha and they know that you are large and in charge they'll do they'll they'll go to the ends of the earth for you mm -hmm. and so I I've, I even got to practice those skills with my dogs and every once in a while I'll be in a meeting with some, uh, you know, scary barracuda and be like, you can handle this. And I find myself sitting up a little straighter and, and making and maintaining eye contact because mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of them. I don't need to be afraid. And, and so then it's how you channel all of those things that you know into those new experiences. So mm -hmm. that, that's the power of it. Absolutely. It's the, a phrase that comes to mind is you, you don't have to be good to start, but you have to start to be good. Exactly. Taking exactly. the steps. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of people um, forget, you know, they see some world leader or executive or, uh, you know, some influential person and they're like, oh my God, I could never be like that. But it's like, I, I've read so many biographies and almost every person that has ever accomplished anything significant in life started out without knowing it all. They had to practice and learn. They had to find their way. They hit dead ends and disappointments. Maybe they had a tragedy or two. And they learned how to get back up. And as they moved through all of those experiences, they truly started to come into their own and to really be more of who they are. And the more they became who they are, the more they revealed of that to the public. And, and that 
personal revelation of just being who you are yes. and not self-censoring all the time um, because of what you think other people expect of you. And, and when you reveal who you are and when, when you are, are uh, 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 that presence is more visible, you're always going to have people who take pot shots. And that's just comes with the territory. Right. And you have to learn how to thicken your skin, not take it all personally, not let it get all the way into your heart. Maybe it gets in a little bit, but it doesn't get all the way to touch your heart. And, and then you move on. Now, sometimes those folks are going to be the ones that block you, but then that becomes another learning experience. Experience. So how could I, how could I have done that differently? And that debrief is another secret to what I've always done. When you asked that question earlier on about, um, you know, how knowing those things, well, part of the knowing was because I debrief after mm -hmm. everything. I look at every video I do. I look at every podcast interview and it's, it's, did I give a message that I think was valuable for the audience? But then I'm looking for those little things of, did I make and maintain eye contact with the camera? Mm -hmm. How many times did I do the eyeball roll? You know, that, I mean, we all have things that we do, you know, and as professional speakers, we're, you know, we're used to moving on a big stage. So a lot of times you'll find that we, we tend to move a little bit more that doesn't work with a static camera. And mm -hmm. I remember some of my earliest TV interviews that my, I was like hand waving and bobbing and weaving all over the place. Like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. You know, nobody else thought that, but I was critiquing mm -hmm. for improvement. Right. And, and the other coaching note I will give, even though I said, I'm not a coach, you like, <laughs> no, I really am, but we'll just, we'll just pretend. But I always tell people, if somebody tries to give you a some advice, it's okay to to chew on it for a little bit and just to think about how valid it is and and to allow yourself in the quiet of of a of a quiet room to be able to reflect and go you know what they were right and you don't always have to accept it in the moment you don't especially if it wasn't um, an invited piece of feedback god knows we all get those mm -hmm. uninvited ones i get lots of feedback from people and i'm like you know okay i can i can chew on and see if it if it feels right it feels like something that that i need to reflect on more or i can dismiss it and and not everybody who wants to give you advice and coach you is is a valid um expert for you mm -hmm. but then i also think that we just need to be open because sometimes they see more than we see because they have a very different vantage point or a very different experience point. But if the coaching advice is about holding you back, if it's about um, not trying different things, if it's about staying where you are, being settled, that's not coaching. That's an anchor. And it's a difference. And so even in our personal life, I mean, I've, I've moved through and cycled through, um, you know, friends and acquaintances that clearly I had grown beyond. And mm -hmm. you know what, it's okay. You know, I still value the things that I learned from them. I valued the experiences that they brought into my life. But then it's time to find a new tribe. And you know, mm -hmm. it's not always as easy. Sometimes that tribe you need to move beyond is family. Yeah. So you, you just, you just kind of minimize those interactions, but yes. it's about finding things that seed and feed you so that you can level up to what's next. I have no idea what the final levels for myself will be. Mm -hmm. I have no idea 
of the limits of what I can become because I'm choosing to not be limited. And when I catch myself limiting, like, you know, I had this thing in my head, I wasn't good with technology. And, and the one thing this pandemic has taught me about is, okay, I'm never going to be the IT professional for a company, but I know a heck of a lot more and I'm capable of learning a lot more about tech mm -hmm. than I ever thought was possible. And it's just a matter of sitting down and doing the discipline or finding the right people who can give you a little bit of advice here and there and, mm -hmm. and you move through it slowly. Absolutely. I, th there's so much power in what we tell ourselves about anything. I found myself a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm, I'm kind of new to Instagram. I've lived on Facebook for several years. My 14 year old says, okay, boomer, uh, jokingly, but like you need to find something other than Facebook. And I love Facebook. I, I, I have huge connections on Facebook. I love it. But, um, clubhouse has come about right and it's connected yep. to instagram and i'm like oh i've got to step up my instagram game yep. all these people are not going to facebook to see me they're going to instagram and it's not great but i found myself saying this is hard learning this is hard i couldn't figure out how to make a reel i don't like the videos weren't getting the views i wanted i wasn't having the impact. And, and I was telling myself it was hard. And when I shifted that perspective, it became fun instead of hard, but I'm still in the not quite so fun <laughs> part. Cause I, you know, I'm a little older. And so looking at that tiny little screen to try and do anything with just doesn't work. Trust me when you're my age, you'll understand. So I like working at a desktop. And I would use Instagram and I can message, I can comment, I can like, but what Instagram doesn't allow you to do is post from a desktop. I know. So, hey, Instagram, fix right? that. Yeah, um, come I'm on, still, Instagram. I'm still working with my husband on a workaround and I have a feeling we'll, we'll figure one out someday. Um, but yeah, and it's, I mean, each of those new tools becomes yet another thing. And part of the challenge, and I think for, for all of us, but particularly for those of us who are self-employed is we get into the time suck of all of these different social media things. Mm -hmm. It's the Twitter and we've got LinkedIn and we've got Facebook and we've mm -hmm. got Instagram and maybe we have communities. If we, you know, I'm working on some online course development so I can share some of this brilliance and wisdom with folk through courses mm -hmm. that I, because I don't do, you know, these big package coaching things. And, but it's the kind of thing where sometimes you just have to say, I have to pick a lane or two. I can't be effective in all of them. You know, mm -hmm. Gary V. Yeah, he's, but he's got a team of like 50 people right. who are doing all that for him. So if it's just you, you know, find one and get comfortable with it and then start to play with the next one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me as a, as a consultant, you know, obviously LinkedIn is mm -hmm. the biggest. I use Facebook as a way to connect a little bit more personally with people. I've got, um, I'm, I'm more attuned to what's happening in people's day-to-day -day life because that's not what people post on LinkedIn. Right. Twitter is kind of a crapshoot. Um, 
for what you get. Um, depends on the hashtags that I follow. And and I'm on Instagram because my 18 year old niece got on it. And the only way she doesn't do any of the others. So the only way I could communicate with her was through messaging on Instagram. So I'm a slow work in progress. But you know, I think we find, and in two years, there'll be another new one, and right. then another new one, and then another one. And it, it becomes the kind of thing where all of a sudden, you are now consumed by social media mm-hmm. and fixated on how many views did I get? Mm-hmm. How many likes did I get? Did I get any comments? Oh my gosh, I didn't, nobody shared it. I, I trust me, I have those all every, every time I post something. But what I look at is, did the person who needed to see it, see it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's only one or two or three people. Right. I was on a call with a lady last week and I said something to her and she started to cry because it was a piercing insight mm-hmm. about the reality of a situation that she was in. And she felt like she had settled in this job. She had, she had a very high flying career. I've had all sorts of executive women that have come back to me. I mean, my book was written for, you know, the regular person, but all these, all these people are coming back to me that are, you know, executives that have lost their job and thought their mojo was over. And they're like, oh my God, your book, I, you, I read your book on the plane to my job interview and California and I got the job it's because of you and I'm like what and then the lady last week she had lost a job unexpectedly out of the blue and she was now in a in a new role and so I was talking she would reached out to me to talk to me about that and but it was obvious because I pay attention to those quiet signals and I finally said you feel like you've settled and she burst into tears. I mean, this is like, oh my God. But, you know, I do that. I have a superpower. People tell me things they never would normally tell, which is really what makes me a good consultant. Right. But um, every once in a while, you have to have the, the Kleenex handy. And, um, but it really opened up her because it was the truth. She thought she had said, I'm like, you know what? This isn't the, necessarily the end of your career. The board is amazing that that you have and so just by being exposed to those people is going to be a game changer for you mm-hmm. and i said the product technology that you're working on i actually watched the video and i think it's really promising and i don't say that about much of anything because i'm often dr death mm-hmm. and and i so so this is actually game changing and it's bringing together all the skills that you already had it's the perfect next opportunity for you but it doesn't have to be the last one and you could just see the relief Mm -hmm. coming off of her because she had framed this in her own mind as a fail Mm -hmm. and it wasn't at all a fail and maybe it's not as financially lucrative I don't know I didn't ask her those questions but I just don't think she, you know, she had a really high flying job before and, and to have to pivot to something that was less than, um, she was the one that was beating herself up about mm-hmm. it. It wasn't somebody from the outside going, oh, wow, this is really cool. So. I love that you were able to give her a perspective shift because I think so often we make a decision to do something, take a new position or try something different. And we think that this is it. Like I've made the decision and now that's all you can see. And that's never true. I mean, there's always opportunity. There's always possibility. It's just, you know, it's the next thing and it doesn't mean it's the thing forever. And, and I think it's easy to get caught up in that. I remember, um, in my, 
in my career in senior living, I had wanted a promotion really bad. I wanted to move up into operations and opening buildings. And I was doing that in my role, but I, I wanted to take the next jump and only do that. And um, there wasn't anything open, but my boss came to me and said, hey, we're going to uh, add a nursing role and I'm a nurse. And she's like, I know it's not ideal, but I think that it would be a good work in. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And so we signed paperwork, salary agreement, start date, everything. And two weeks prior to me moving into that role, the company decided to change directions and they just didn't do it. And I was a wreck. I was in a like fetal position on the bed. Mm. My husband didn't know what to do with me. And I'm not normally someone that gets crushed like that, but I was just that to me, that was like my only out. Right. And so I, uh, I was working with a coach who offered me different perspective mm -hmm. and, um, it was three months later, I was offered my dream position, you know? Right. And, and so there was, you just don't know Nothing is ever final. You don't know what's around the corner and trusting that life is happening for you instead of to you can give you that perspective of, being open and seeing possibility and honoring what's happening because it could lead to something that you just can't see that's even more amazing than what you anticipated. Exactly. I mean, I had, there are two stories that come to mind. One is I had done a, a speech for my alma mater to, for um, students and recent grads. And one of them reached out to me because apparently she thought I was approachable. And she said, I just thought you would have some good insight. And she was living at home in Fargo now. And um, she was a graduate, but had had to come home from um, an international program that, that she had gotten into that was a huge, huge recognition honor. And I said, that must have been really bad. You were, you were, you know, because of the pandemic, you, right. you had to come home. And, and I said, I said, you're really stuck though, aren't you? You can't figure out what to do to find a job. And she's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, it's a gift. And, and I said to her, you know, what do you want to do? I said, I've looked at your LinkedIn profile. I've looked at your resume. I can't, I don't understand what it is you think you want to do. I, I, I don't even know how to give you suggestions on next steps. And she said, well, I just don't know if, how am I going to find my passion and whatever. And that's part of the problem. I think a lot of young people are given that find your passion, mm -hmm. find your job that, that, that surrounds your passion. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a nice bit of advice from older people who are maybe more secure and established. I said, but you've got to find your next step. Yeah. And, and I said, so what skill do you want to work on? What, what skill do you want to, to, really use in this next job. And I said, let's find a job on that. And let's put your passion as something you do as a volunteer. And it doesn't have to be your job mm -hmm. because your the passions that you're talking about, none of them are going to pay anything. So if you want to have any kind of financial security, you need to have an actual job. Mm -hmm. And and let's and let's kind of rethink what it is you're you're looking at. And you know, about a month or so, two months later, she came back and she had gotten a job that was a job job. And she said, your, your point about doing passions as volunteer, I never thought about it like that. So I cardinaled her, I Bob cardinaled her. Did. And then I also, ha I had another client that I'd done a ton of work for. He was a huge referral source worth a lot of money to me. And, um, 
in the in the the last of the four major series of four years of work with them um his association was going to be merged in with another one and and he was going to have to take the lesser role in the merged association and he was just beside himself you know just like you were talking about except he wasn't crawling crying on the in the fetal position but for a six foot six guy he was in he was in deep pain and i just said to him look alan here's the deal those guys on that board they all know they hosed you they know it they and they did it anyway but here's the other part they value you they respect you they will make this right by you you just have to give them a little bit of time and he looked at me like i had three heads well, fast forward, they did come through. He got an even more amazing job and opportunity that ultimately created a lot more financial security for him and his family. But at the time, he just didn't have that perspective about it. And like in your story, the fact is, is that you had laid all the foundational work to create that ultimate opportunity, but internal circumstances shifted it from what you thought it would be mm -hmm. and when you thought it would be to the ultimate and to the ultimate opportunity. And so that made you appreciate it even more too. And I think mm -hmm. that for us, when it's easy, nobody appreciates it when things yeah. come easily, but when you've had to dig and 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 crawl and cry and pick yourself up and and work hard and fall again and pick up it means more when you finally start to attain those levels of success and my parents both died at the age of 64 within eight months of each other so when you were talking about tragedies earlier that for me was the first major life tragedy and i was in my mid-30s i'd never envisioned a life without either of them you know i thought they'd die when they were like 80 you know right. like like they're all their other family members had so the inconceivable nature of losing them both at such a young age mm -hmm. and and so unexpectedly that that it and it was so overwhelming because they were so close together all i could think of is what what does this mean i mean i held my mother's hand at the moment of her death and she didn't say jill i wish i had another mutual fund you know that right. was not the conversation that right. we had was the conversation we were having before she got sick, but it was not the conversation at the moment of her death. And, and so for me, that fast track propelling fast track, the brakes got halted and I had to step back and try and decide what do I want for me? And, and I wanted real relationships with people. I wanted real connections with people. Yes, the money in the bank was going to be a nice thing too, but that wasn't the, the sole priority. And so it became about more the journey and the experience and the connection. But it took such a major loss for me to slow down enough to see that. I mean, I'd been Minnesota's Young Entrepreneur of the Year when I was 29. I mean, I was running and gunning. and But the reality was, is losing these two really amazing people was was such a heart loss that it altered everything now i always wonder all these years later what my life and career would have been like had my mother not died because she was the cattle prod that it was you know nothing i did was ever enough mm -hmm. um and 
you know, and some days I go, oh gosh, I haven't accomplished anything. Yeah. Two business halls of fame, all these awards, whatever. I know. And, but I still have those thoughts, right? Yeah. Um, I would have written, you know, I'd probably have 20 books written by now if I hadn't had that derailment. But here's the, what I've learned is I, I experienced life mm-hmm. and I had to circle back and find the courage in myself to be able to do these things without that support of my mom or without, you know, even though some days it didn't quite feel like support. Um, And I had to create those new opportunities and find those new relationships of people who could help provide that. And more importantly, I had to learn how to do it for myself. Mm -hmm. And, and so some days it was an easy process. Some days it was a God awful mess, but yet through it all, I've lived more richly, I've laughed more deeply, I've hurt more um, intensely, but that's life. And, and so it doesn't matter coming from Bobby Johnson's little girl to whatever apex I'm at now, there's always something more. There's always another opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's always something else. And by my reclaiming my life and recalibrating my life after such deep loss, I got a chance to see what else I'm capable of. So I've now midwife the deaths of two aunts. Um, I walked that complex journey of Alzheimer's and dementia with my Mm -hmm. mother-in-law and through her final passing. My husband nearly died uh, about eight years ago. And, you know, I had to stop and, and do the things that we could do to bring him back to full health. And he's fully healthy now. But yet, I because I was always planning ahead, and tucking that money away for that rainy day, when the torrential downpour hit, I had some breathing room, I had created that gift for myself. And I think so many people think, oh, you need to make a lot of money to save any money. You don't have to, mm-hmm. not at all. In fact, I know people who you know have a million dollars in the bank that have never had a half a million dollar in salary. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the folks that are making those kinds of salary are in so much debt because they're living the life and living large and there's no substance behind it and they have no net worth. So all of it then becomes about your own choices and how you both choose to live the life you have. And I think the other thing that my parents' unexpected death showed me was that there are no guarantees to how long Mm -hmm. you get. My brother just died two years ago, also at the age of 64. So now I've lost three of them at that age. And again, his was unexpected as well. And it, the, the losses are so profound, but yet it's that reminder, life is fragile. Mm-hmm. You're, you're one reading the text message while you're driving away from serious injury, illness, mm-hmm. or death, and, and, or somebody hitting you or driving drunk or all of those things. We get to choose to do and to not do things in life. And the more you can navigate towards making choices that are to the benefit of your spirit, to the benefit Mm -hmm. of your opportunity, 
the more, if today is it, Bethany, if you and I, if, if I'm done after this is over, I drink my next cup of coffee and I'm done. Right. And I had a dog die in my office. So that, you know, it's like, wow, that, that puts it in perspective too. But if, if we're done, then I'm hopeful that there was something about what I said today that touched you and and touched your listeners and your audience in a way that made them think a little bit more, believe a yes. little bit more, um, dream a little more. And I always, people always said, Jill, dream as big as you can, plant your feet firmly on the ground, but reach for the stars. And even if you don't get to the stars, you're going to get so much further than if you've never had a dream at all. Right. And, and so I try and bring it all every day. I try and find ways to connect with people when, and I read Facebook at night, you know, you can tell who's in pain. I never mm. post, you know, like a sad face on their Facebook feed. I start private messaging them mm. or I check in with them for a period of a week or two to see how they're doing. Um, you know, and I know it matters because I've been there. I've felt those alone yeah. moments. Yes. And, and when someone cares enough to just take a moment out of their day to reach out, that's who I want to be. Yes. So I make those choices to do that. Um, or I take the phone call from, or the, the zoom call from the lady, you know, who's got this new job. And then it becomes a transformative conversation for mm -hmm. her when she finds out what she really connected with me for. And I'm like, well, you know, if you like my book, book reviews are always appreciated on Amazon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I don't expect her to do anything. I've had people where we've talked talked on things and they're like I feel like I should send you some money and I'm like no it's it's who I am this is what I this is my gift to you and I can do that you know I'm the boss of my time so mm -hmm. yeah I have to work on weekends sometimes to make up for what I <laughs> spent time chatting with folk about but it's about how I choose to live that day mm -hmm. live that life there's so much power in realizing that you do have a choice. I know for me in my younger years, um, I just operated on what I was told was, I'm doing air quotes, was the right thing to do. And I didn't ever question if there was a different way or a better way or a way that spoke to my soul differently. It wasn't until I had achieved or done all those things on that, like, prescribed life checklist that I, that I was like, wait a minute, I'm not fulfilled. This isn't, this isn't fueling, you know, my dreams and wait, what are my dreams? Because I'm just going through the motions of living a life I thought I was supposed to. And um, when you realize you have choice, you know, and what I teach my clients is your life is a moment to moment choice. Like it's really, seeing what you're thinking, choosing if you believe it and taking the next steps that are incongruent with where you want to go. And it's a moment to moment choice. That's how you make progress. And I love everything that you shared today, Jill. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you how people can connect with you. But I, while we were speaking, I took some notes and I have one, two, three, I have four big takeaways that I got from it. But um, I'm sure there are probably at least 40 takeaways, but I just wanted to share these. Um, sometimes it helps for me to have someone summarize things, or maybe uh, listeners will get something out of this that they didn't get out of it themselves. So number one, um, know what you want, 
and take the one next step that's in front of you. Just, just the one next step, lay that brick. I think that's what you said in the beginning. Um, Number two, what you tell yourself matters. Mm -hmm. Number three, be open to possibility. And number four, be true to who you are. Make choices to the benefit of your spirit. I've never, I've never heard it phrased like that before. Make choices to the benefit of your spirit. That's beautiful. I, I, I love that you said that. Uh, I have to make a meme off of that. I like that too. (laughs) I think that's like, that's, that's post worthy on some type of social media, right? Yeah, exactly. Make choices to the benefit of your spirit. Yeah, that's, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Jill. How can people find you? How can they get your book? Tell us all the things. Well, they, they can find me on my website, which is www.jcs.com dash usa.com so it's j for johnson c for consulting s for services so it's jcs hyphen usa.com and my book is available on amazon we've got a couple other pieces that are up there now so it's the book the the original book which has been sold now on six continents is called compounding your confidence that's the book that started everything Um, we also have a career confidence workbook which kind of really lays out all the key questions that you can ask yourself if if you can't afford a coach um, it's the kinds of questions that i would would ask you if I was mentoring you. And then we have a new book, a tip book that we're getting ready to release. Um, that's co- that was based off of the content in the original book, and it's called Career Confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's um, 64 tips to build your career with confidence. And we just took all the good advice out out of the book and and shared it in small little nugget form uh for for folk and and bethany you've given me some things to think about it's like well maybe i need to rethink that coaching issue a little bit more because obviously i'm doing things that are creating a different uh that as a potential path yeah um but the books are all up on amazon um under my name they can also connect with me on social media, pretty much on all the social media channels. I'm Jill Johnson USA. And so just the at symbol in front of it, Jill Johnson USA, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, or LinkedIn, you can connect with me that way. And I'd love for your audience to connect with me. And if you do send me a little message or a private message, tell me you heard me on Bethany's podcast. And uh, if there was something specific that resonated with you or what your key takeaway is. Um, but, you know, I think it's all about connecting. It's taking chances and connecting mm. and, and um, bringing everything that you have available as much as you can each day. I know in the pandemic, it's a little bit hard to bring everything, but I think there's so much more that we can bring to the world if we just allow ourselves to, to be open to those possibilities. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Thank you again for being here today. Listeners, don't worry if you if you're in a spot that you can't write all this down. All of this information is in the show notes. If you're watching the video on the YouTube channel, um, then all the information is in the description of the video. So until next time, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Take action, live big and stay dialed in. Oh my goodness. 
How many takeaways did you have from that episode with Jill? We had so much fun recording that. And afterwards, we talked for well over an hour. I really loved spending time with her. I tell you what, I have a question for you today that's a little bit different than um, than usual. I want to know who you know that I should know. Now, I'm in all kinds of different podcasting groups and I get contacted regularly from people who want to be on the show, but I want to know from you, who do you think that I should interview? Who, who would you like to hear from on Dialed In? Send me a message. You can direct message me at Facebook, Instagram, on LinkedIn. Um, you can email me Bethany at BethanyXM.com. I'd love to hear from you and let me know who you think I should talk with. Hey, thanks for listening today. I know you have tons of options for where you get information, inspiration, and education about mindset and living big. And I really appreciate you being here with us today. Take care.